episode 20. 20. <laughs> this is our episode 20, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Glad to be around. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dwarf Fortress Talk. This is your host, Nathan Miller, also known as Rainseeker. And I have to my left, Captain Tastic. Hello. To my right, Tarn Adams, our illustrious leader, also known as Toady One. Yep, I'm to Captain's right. And uh, we're all sitting in a circle holding hands. Wait. <laughs> if I'm. Okay. <laughs> Was that intentional? I have no idea if we're in a Mobius strip or what. It's well, pretty no, complicated. Well, no, because if I'm to Rain Seeker's <laughs> left and you're to my right, there's something weird going on. That's right. No, I'm sitting on Rain Seeker's lap right now. <laughs> okay. All right. It's so complicated. We are we are going to be um, um, talking the... about uh, Dwarf Fortress, and today our topic is complicated economics and the theory of relativity within Dwarf Fortress. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really. Uh, actually, we're just going to be talking about what's happened lately, and it's going to be very topical. So, Tarn, um, oh, I uh, hear that from stop. reading some of the reports that you are doing reclaims. Reclaims. We've done. We've done some reclaims. We've done some retires. We've done some unretires. Yeah. So we we've been working. Uh, I guess we haven't we haven't talked for for a little bit. Uh, and since uh, since our last episode, there was mostly just a lot of work on site maps. Uh, we had um, elf elves had their site maps. The goblins had their site maps before that. The trees. And yes, the trees. The gigantic trees with all the climbing and jumping and running, jumping and jumping, running, and jumping, and climbing, and falling, and then grabbing things with your hand when you fall, and right. so on. It is now, uh, Dwarf Fortress is now Assassin's Creed. It is. It is. This is parkour nation, however you say it. I just see that <laughs> word written. I have no, it's a free-running nation. Uh, yes, it is It is exactly like um, like Mirror's Edge, pretty much. Awesome. Um, and uh, <laughs> not, not that I ever played that game, but I imagine it, I heard it was parkour related. However, you say that word. I, uh, it I don't know that's how to say the correct it. Correct way. Oh, is that how you say it? So the R is not yeah. silent or anything weird like that. No parkour. But I mean, yeah. the thing about parkour is there's no right way to do it. So. <laughs> so it's fine if the word is broken and kind of goes yeah. to the ambulance. And that's right. Just do your own thing. Just, like just, that, just flow. Yeah, yeah. The body's not broken, I suppose. That's right. We, we're, we're doing all right. Uh, with our dwarves, and you can break yourself pretty badly though if you running jump off a cliff and hit a wall and fall and don't grab anything and just kind of hit the ground and I guess that's common that's sort of par for the course with the parkour uh right. people breaking each other and so on breaking themselves uh so yeah, you can do a little bit more of of that kind of uh self harm in the game now, but um that was with the elf trees we put that stuff in, and then we worked on dwarf sites and Dwarf sites are uh, uh, there's there are three kinds of dwarf sites. There were the fortresses that everybody's used to, that uh, connect the surface to the underground. Then there's uh, the surface sites, the hill dwarf settlements. Just these, they're either carved into the sides of existing hillside slopes, or they ma- make their own mounds if they're in a flatter area, and then they just grow some gardens above and below and hang out and drink all the time and live in complete squalor. And then there's the uh, the, the deep dwarf sites uh, down in the caverns, um, which will have their vast plump helmet fields, that kind of thing. 
uh, and um, some industry. But the uh, the fort is still supposed to be the place with all the most skilled craftsmen, just to kind of align it with what goes on the, in the game. We we want to kind of keep it the most important place. We have uh, three kinds of those three kinds of dwarf sites: um, the uh, the hill and the fort and the deep sites. We wanted the fort to be uh, to kind of be the most important site all around because that's the one that you're going to also continue to play. Uh, so all of the central um, dwarfy activities take place there, and the other ones are mainly the uh, the areas for farmers and, and drunks and things. Although the fortress is also an area for drunks, the drunks are kind of everywhere in in in, in dwarf land. But uh, <laughs> that's right; it's just a, just a way of life. So we finished that for the most part. We have things that we're gonna we have to go back and touch upon in each of those sites. Uh, this this release is kind of unusual in that the uh, well maybe not that unusual, but it's uh, <laughs> as as usual perhaps. But but we've got um, you know we touched upon maybe eight or nine topics overall because uh, we we started back with uh you know non-lethal combat and bandits harassing people in town right and then we moved on we added uh tracking and we have uh armies moving around and then we we went over to the the sites because we needed the sites to be added in and then the original point of the thing was to get some of this birth death succession stuff going on uh which is what I'm right in the middle of now uh, so we're we're finally touching upon that, but there were points like with the army part, I needed the sites uh, to get that uh, done to my satisfaction. And now that I've done a lot with the sites, I can go back and do the army stuff that I didn't finish. So there's going to be a lot of now revisiting of the old topics that were uh, set up for this release. I don't think we've had any any really terrible feature creep this time. Uh, it's not like one of the other releases that had nothing to do with night creatures and then it ended up being three or four months worth of work on night creatures, right? So uh, this has all been very topical, but um, we have to go back and revisit a lot of things now because we have been kind of skipping from point to point as we need things because none of these um, things, uh, the the features that we've added in, could really be done in isolation. They could be done up to a certain point in isolation, then you need to work on another one, and now I need to come back and link them all together again and uh, clean up some unfinished business. So it'll it'll be a little while yet. It's not like when I finish Succession, it's like boom, release. That's not how it's going to be. I have to go back and clean some stuff up. Um, that's that's kind of normal though. I always have to go back and fix stuff up, and then I have to fix stuff up after the release as well. Uh, and we'll we'll have a nice nice healthy period of bug fixing, I'm sure, after this release. But uh, so let's yeah. let's recall what 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 the the purpose of the other uh, dwarven sites are. Um, the the hill dwarves are supposed to supplement your king your kingdom so to speak correct yeah yeah they 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 function uh, or they will function see there's there's this um, there's an issue now with just how much you can do in fortress mode with hill dwarf settlements because they're not your hill dwarf settlements yet we don't have that mm-hmm. linkage tightly established yet but it will be and then the then that will give you a much higher number of dwarves to work with though they can't all be on screen, because the whole issue is if you want to have a strategic impact on the world and have a political impact on the world, you just need a bunch of uh, warm, fat, drunk bodies to get that get that business done, and you can't do that with 200 dwarves. But that you can't have, you know, 1,000, 2,000 dwarves running around on screen, or the game will um, not run. <laughs> so you've got hill dwarves to supplement things um, or to form, like, the bulk of your of your military, for example, of your unskilled military, your dwarves 
it'll still be like the equivalent of your say knights or whatever and your and your sergeants your leaders uh for your for your military they'll be the ones that are, are that are that know what they're doing and then you'll have a bunch of drunks um so and, uh, the hill dwarves are basically a conduit for your fortress to interact with the rest of the world yeah yeah in in, yeah. in at least in that in that way uh, in that, in that, uh, I think there'll be places for your dwarves to also have direct impact. But when it comes to military uh, stuff and certain trade things, you're you're going to have to act through uh, intermediate sites uh, just because of the sheer numbers behind it. Uh, and that's that's the uh, the the deep sites are um, they they act in a similar fashion for for uh, for underground uh, business. Uh, but they're also we haven't we haven't really planned out exactly how strange uh they're going to be but um they also they just supplement your your food your food and, and and that kind of thing if you don't want to farm you could trade with them uh but i'm sure they'll oh, get I you're you eat them uh, no you don't eat if you don't eat dwarves we're not elves we don't eat each other and others uh but uh but it's uh you're ready to see this bird go to waste <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You you take the the hill dwarves and you harvest their beards and use them as your uh, your shirts and togas and things. Um, <laughs> that's just how it works. Hundred percent dwarven. That's right. Shearing the the shearing. I, I put that in just for this reason, so that you could stack up your dwarves and shear them, and then send them back out to grow. <laughs> send them they graze out in the muck and the mushrooms. You have to feed them alcohol, and their beards come out. <laughs> Shave them. Exactly. A little bit of chewing on the beard to get the alcohol out. Yeah, it's very simple, a simple, strange way of life. But I'm sure that I'm sure the deep dwarves will become more exo- exotic, if anything, to distinguish them from the hill dwarves, because right now they're quite they're quite similar in um, economy, in the sense that they're kind of food drunky <laughs> type of things. I mean, because uh, because we could make them into into a large. I mean, if they, if they became just like forts and they were all about mining and crafting. Um, you would you would become mediocre in all uh things except for like your ability to uh charge tolls to people that want to go outside or something which would be kind of stupid as a right. as a sole function so um we were thinking that the the deep the deep sites could kind of be a farm league for mediocre craftsmen and then you could get some better ones from there um and you would be like the majors uh, in terms of of what's what's going on in your fortress, but uh, we'll we'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll come up with uh, some good things once we've got the deep sites and hill dwarf sites actually linked to your fortress. Uh, so they're not linked right now, uh, but but so so right now they just you know they're 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 pretty blah blah sites with their uh, with their plump helmet fields and little little delved out uh, living arrangements and. And so on. They're kind of like a village um, right now. Those deeper sites. And you don't and get d- population from them necessarily, or immigrant immigration. You get you get uh, historical figures, just like um, so, so. Most of your immigrants now, at least, uh, well, what, so in the currently released version, you would get a lot of historical immigrants until your historical figure population started to suffer, and then you just get po- uh, regular entity population, uh, abstract immigrants. Uh, now you get. Um, historical immigrants from uh, a far richer number of sites. So you'll get deep site and hill dwarf immigrants. Uh, and this will, uh, uh, so, and, and with, with the birth, death, 
uh, well, not death, because death is kind of the opposite of getting more guys, but the the birth and 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 kind of uh, marriage, uh, growing up, all that kind of stuff that happens now all over the world, you'll have a kind of infinite supply of historical figures. Uh, their histories get less and less interesting as as the years go on because uh, mm. we don't have um, all of the things that were happening in world generation done yet. But as as we get more of those things in, their histories will actually be more interesting because there's more detail after world generation. Right. So um, and and uh, they they'll but they'll have the uh, the complete list of cousins and aunts and uncles that you. You might be used to now from your new immigrants in the currently released version. You can kind of look at most of your guys and they'll have uh, a full kind of pages of family uh, members and so on. And that will still happen uh, now with these new people because they're all getting um, uh, they're all having children and they're all related to other dwarves that may have come in the past and so on. So uh, that that can continue on now, which is which is a really good uh, um first step for uh for this this continuation of world generation is that we now have sort of meaningful migrants and there there's gonna be some very strange things that happen now for for instance if you retire your fortress your fortress is now just becomes a site in the world people will continue to uh, live the simple parts of their lives like uh having children and so on uh and uh then you'll get migrants from your old fortress into your new fortress, including all of your old dwarves could possibly uh, come from that retired fortress. And uh, yeah, what's the odds that you're going to get that? Is that um, pretty common? It should be very common, actually, because your fortress is full of historical figures and a lot of mundane historical figures. Like the game doesn't keep track of too many sort of craftsmen and miners and so on. Uh, it, it keeps track, just be, for memory purposes, most of the historical, or not maybe most, it, it tries to make it about half and half or whatever. I don't remember what the proportion is, but it does try to keep some mundane figures in play throughout the world just so you can kind of meet regular people that have interesting lives. Uh, but there are just, just by the uh, the burden of, uh, especially in Dwarfland, how many uh, little positions like bookkeeper and manager and all that kind of stuff, there are just a lot of important dwarves that are tracked. Um, to the uh, to the um, detriment of tracking regular dwarves, but when you retire your fortress, just because you got to know the dwarves there, they're they're all historical figures. Every single craftsman and child that's that's there is a historical figure, and so those people when they migrate into your new fortress, you're actually quite likely to get a a, a dwarf from your old fortress. Kind of raises the question about like what happened to your old retired fortress to make them want to move when they were living there. <laughs> so happily, when you're, it must be because they miss your uh, miss your orders. You miss your they, leadership exactly. Yes, yes, yes they miss uh, all of the wonderful things you were doing for them. Uh, <laughs> And drowning them in magma and sending them out to fight the undead and so on. They just wanted to do that again. A bunch of adrenaline junkies and drunks. Uh, that's that's uh, that's what we've come to expect from our dwarves. Exactly. So they will come to visit, and uh, it's, yeah. So it's it's it should be pretty 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 cool. And so the deep down dwarves, they're they when they come up, maybe they should just be very very allergic to the sun. Well, they will be cave adapted. Yes. Exactly. They no, have, but extremely cave adapted. Oh, you should so, have another so, tier. So they've got the, uh, they've got the whole, maybe they'll be yes blind. They'll just lose their eyes. And they'll be blind and they'll be completely white, like you know those cave bulbous, fish. Beardless, beardless. Well, they'll have well they'll have flesh that replaces the beard or something like these tendrils that come fleshy out. Fleshy beards. Fleshy mm. beards. There's mm. these translucent fleshy beards that generate light, but they don't <laughs> have eyes, so it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and uh yeah, 
Yeah, and then they uh, they have alcohol detectors in their stomachs and so on, <laughs> waddle around and roll in the mud. And uh, yeah, so that's that's about like a dwarf. That's, yeah, that's about what we that's expect from a dwarf. Uh, it's some Cthulhu ass mob that comes out of the deep. <laughs> but they're friendly and they talk with a Scottish accent. That's right. That's right. Scottish deep spawn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we've got a lot of... See, it's it's interesting being in this position because now we've got all kinds of choices. Uh, I'm not sure if those are the choices we want to make, but we've got all kinds of choices. It should be cool. Exactly. We do want to differentiate, though. They need to be uh, They need to be unique eventually. And we always add little things in over time that, that kind of separate things out. So it should be pretty cool in the end. Um, Would you be able to choose like a hill dwarf when you, in your adventure mode? You're generating hill dwarf or regular dwarf or deep dwarf. Yeah, you get to you get to choose. Right now, it's it's as before. You choose the civilization you're from, and then it'll kind of saddle you with the hill dwarfdom or deep dwarfdom or fortress dwarfdom at its whim. Uh, we'll have to change the. Uh, um, the, when, when, when you have more generation options in general, uh, you'll have, um, that kind of decision. Uh, so, so yeah, people have been asking quite a bit lately, what, when is it time to allow you to just take over a historical figure as an adventure instead of generating one, for instance? And the, the main problems with that all still remain because we don't have any kind of administration for powerful figures and so on. Like if you took over a uh, even a manager or bookkeeper, you wouldn't have anything to do with being a manager or bookkeeper. So it makes it, it, makes it kind of strange. But that's also, I mean, that's, it's almost almost a trivial concern in the grand scheme of things. I mean, if you want to take over the queen and then it's just like, it's time for the queen to become an adventurer or whatever. And she just walks out of the throne room and goes off and has an adventure. Then, uh, I mean, that was her decision. Well, she so, could probably command the armies, you know. Well, that's, that's the thing. We're not, we're not even there yet, right? Right. <laughs> we don't have army command. So if you choose to take People, over the general of the dwarves, then you just kind of malinger and don't do that. Single-handedly go and start wars on your own. <laughs> yeah. That's that's uh, that's about all you can do. It's, you can cause trouble. So you role play. You say, "I'm going to inspire the troops." Exactly. Yes. Go into this cave and kill everything. <laughs> so, so in that case, I, I mean, there's there there are other concerns, but not not large ones uh, in terms of just just taking taking people over. I mean, there's there is kind of the. I mean, it's sort of interesting. It's like Legends mode, right? If you make a gigantic. Uh, a gigantic world, let it run for a while, then you're sometimes running, I forgot what the cap is, if it's like 15,000 or 20,000 historical figures. Um, that's just sort of a sheer logistics problem in terms of starting your game. You're like, I want to be an adventurer. And it's like, okay, do you want to start in one of these civilizations? Do you want to start as a pre-existing historical figure? And you're like, oh, I'll start as a pre-existing, pre-existing uh, historical figure. And then it's like, okay, <laughs> you have 20,000 choices. Um, and I guess you'll whittle it down uh, initially by like civilization or race concerns. Uh, and then you'd still be looking at a list of, you know, 1500 people or something. And uh, then yeah. you could look at professions possibly. That's right, and interests, hobbies. Uh, what sort of situation? Like, if there's someone that's like currently in prison, it's like, yeah, you could be this prisoner, and then like it would set up a chance for you to escape or not. 
I guess, yeah, I guess that, that, that may be the most common thing at first because until we get to these larger scale civilization concerns, the per, the people you'd want to look for, it's like you want to look for ordinary people with interesting lives, right? Just like like, like I said before, you, you, so you'll want to find people, you know, maybe maybe somebody whose whose town is about to be invaded or. Um, you know, like, like you're saying, a criminal of some kind. We've got we've got a shortage of criminals, but you could be a bandit, I guess. The the bandits are the criminals of the game right now. Um, and uh, we've got those people living in the sewers. <laughs> so you could start as a sewer criminal if you want to be one of those sewer criminals. Or possibly you could be someone that has had their spouse kidnapped by a night yeah, creature. Yeah. yeah, that's like the yeah the, the the child of someone who's been uh, kidnapped by a night creature, and it's like you have 15 days to finish your mission before your mom gets turned into a, a spouse of the night troll or whatever. <laughs> and, um, yeah, then you'd be on some kind of horrible matricide mission. So you'd want to succeed. <laughs> uh, it'll be, uh, yeah. So that, this, these are, these are the, the wonderful little interesting things that will come out of that, that selection. So I'm, the, yeah, the main thing pushing back against that is is you know the people who who there's going to be an awful lot of people who are just like you know I want to play, you know the the demon king of the goblins or whatever, and it's like, all right, <laughs> there you are in your giant <laughs> palace in uh, the middle of this hellhole and you can't do anything. I mean, I guess you talk to the goblins, they'd be like, hey, what's up? And you and you you'd, you could ask them about their family or join you on your adventures, and they'd be like, "Oh, I'd rather not." <laughs> 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 so it's it's just not people don't have any appreciation of your importance mm-hmm. uh, with regard to your civilization position because it does it assumes that you don't hold a civilization position. So yeah, but but I mean, in the in the spirit of sandboxiness, you could just let it all ride or whatever. Um, you know, there is a concern that that uh, some other people have raised that y- you um, you you kind of have a, a large temptation just to cheat <laughs> when you're in that position. Like if you were if you were had a dwarf fortress that you had just retired, uh, kind of temporarily retired because you can you can unretire them. So you temporarily retire your dwarf fortress and you're kind of this desperate war with the goblins. And then you start an adventure and you're like, oh, I want to play the demon. And then you just go jump off a bridge or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then go back and unretire your fortress, and you're like, well, problem solved. <laughs> so, um, that that would be a, a kind of thing. It's just like we were leaning toward a world generation setting on that. You're like, in this world, I don't want to be able to do cheap crap like that. So you'd like only be able to play regular historical figures or something like that, like unpositioned historical figures or or people that you had played before. So you make do, it so uh, anytime you abandon something, like a month passes. It's like a time limit like that or something, so you can't just oh, there's, I'm losing. <laughs> better, better uh, morph into something else. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and it becomes complicated, of course, because there are times when when you'd when you'd want to definitely not let time pass or whatever. Yeah. Although right now we've completely just dodged that question. We need, I mean, we not dodge, we just haven't handled it because it still does that thing where it advances. Uh, you to the next year when you unretire your fortress, but it doesn't like repair the world's army situation. Yeah. A lot of stuff. So it's just not. Yeah, it's just it, we're not we're not all the way there yet. We are making important strides because the world can kind of repair itself a little bit now. People can be reborn, um, and with the succession stuff, which is my current project right now, you can repair 
the upper echelons of society, which were never repaired before either. <laughs> it's like you know, once once the rulers die, that's it. Uh, you know, you don't have you don't have any any of those anymore. Um, and once even even just just any any trivial position uh, of any kind in the civilization became unfilled, it was never filled. Uh, so now we can see, you know, if you if you just kind of have a whole civilization half wiped out by some horrifying event, uh, it can fix itself now, or it will be when I when I'm when I'm through with what I'm working on right now, it'll it'll be able to fix itself. And that includes the kind of things where where I mean, people had like their um, outpost liaisons come to their fort and then they they you know something horrible would happen and then they wouldn't get another one and then i added in a, a kind of stopgap measure where a person would be generated um for for that particular reason but there are a lot of holes with that system and a lot of places where uh, a position was not refilled uh, because it, it didn't have that solution tacked on top of it so now that's all going to be homogenized and fixed and if your outpost liaison dies, uh, they should actually designate an actual person to be your actual new one, if you deserve it. Um, <laughs> and you know maybe it isn't something that's always going to get refilled. We'll see how it how it plays out. Um, and I, I mean, I have a feeling that if, if 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 people do die an awful lot, it will still have to sort of elevate historical figures from entity populations. Like if there are just no grown dwarves left because you've been killing them all and then it needs to find a new outpost liaison for you, then uh, it would have to bring one up from nothing. But that's that's fine. That's what those entity populations are there for, to kind of um, deal with uh, the sheer numbers of people you need and also to deal with, with gaps in um, in the historical record <laughs> that caused by massive death problems. So <laughs> it, it should be... Uh, it, should, it, should all, it should all start working now, which is cool. It's about time so, to... So when, when towns become wiped out by a, um, an adventurer having fun, um, <laughs> does it does it get repopulated now again? Uh, it it depends on just how um, just how thorough the adventure was because there, there there was the, yeah there's the 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 issue of reclaim by civilizations of sites that's not you doing it right, and uh -huh. so if a place becomes an utter ruin. Uh, that was one of the things that's actually on the to-do for this release, is having that happen because the goblins can be so thorough sometimes, depopulating a, a swath of countrysides and, and just putting everyone on, on, on the pike. You go there and there's all kinds of heads and skins and things on, on sticks and so on, and no people left. Uh, and uh, if... if uh, if you want the world to continue on, then sites have to be reused. I mean, sometimes you want ruins to form because a ruin is an adventure environment, mm -hmm. but uh, you also want ruins to not always just be ruins. They're just a place that was raised and then it gets repopulated or a place where, uh, like you're saying, an adventurer has a, uh, goes off on a little tipsy uh, little journey there causing trouble as people, people occasionally have that, that impulse to, to do that. And then, um, uh, they would they would recognize that the place is unpopulated or depopulated just like they do with the goblins and then they would they would deal with it. So when I deal with one, the other one should be handled and it's um, something that could very well go in for this time. It depends on like I, like I was saying, I'm kind of going through everything uh, as as uh, up to a certain point depending on what other things are needed and so on. And then I'm going to go through again. So so this this second 
second run through where I'm cleaning up bugs and handling unfinished issues. That was one of the unfinished issues that came out of goblin army attacks that needs to be handled and uh, could very well be handled. In that case, yeah, you'll, you'll it'll be, it should be pretty cool. You'll have a, you'll have a town. Um, now I haven't, uh, people did bury people in the sewer or the, in the catacombs in the towns and they have those large burial structures they don't know how to expand those right now. So um, right now it would be very macabre the way it's set up. So it's, it's, it's a matter of getting things done, right? Like if, like if the humans decide to repopulate their village that the adventurer had made a complete mess of or that the goblins had decorated with various macabre artwork, then they would just live alongside that right now. It would be a kind of horrifying um, Maybe it's there so that they remember. So you'd go into someone's shop, uh, and there'd just be the the dead body on the ground or whatever. And like, yes, that's that's our memorial to your adventurer's last visit or whatever. Um, that's, that's that's something that definitely needs to be handled at some point, obviously. Uh, and then you'd just see like a gigantic mound with flowers on it or something. Now that we've got flowers, uh, you could have a you know giant mound where they kind of deal with all the bodies that you've produced over the years or over one day. Um, we'll see. We'll, so we'll see. It's, it's, it's always in steps, but the most nonsensical stuff, like having dead bodies scattered everywhere, probably stuff that get handled earlier. So we'll see. It should be intriguing. So I guess we'll do the obvious thing and talk about the Hobbit, which has dwarves in it. It has like, I think 18 or 19 dwarves. <laughs> they all have the same name. That's right. They've all got embarrassing facial hair. Yeah, there's Eurist. <laughs> See, right. I, I I I get this dwarf fortress joke. Yeah, and they've got they've got Kogan and Ollie's and all the other dwarf names. Yeah, and Gandalf and the That's rest. Right. Gandalf the dwarf. He has he has a better beard than half those dwarves did. I know. It's all about quality. Too tall though. And hobbits have beards. They're just on their feet. <laughs> That's right. Twice. This, this is our A game right here, folks. Yeah, you're ready for it. So yeah, yeah. So we saw, I saw the movie. <laughs> I saw it in uh, the uh, uh, the 48 frames per second, which was pretty cool. It was like getting my spine electrocuted through my eyes. <laughs> what? Yeah, I didn't yeah, see it that way. They have a. Uh, I'm not familiar with this technology. It's the new 48 frames a second. It moves really fast. All these very subtle movements and just details kind of pop out. But it's in, it's in a really uh, nonstop, disconcerting way. So like even like tiny things like holding a sheet of paper, you see the sheet of paper vibrating. <laughs> it's, 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 it's cool, but when you're sitting there for three hours... It was like hyper-reality... I enjoyed it, actually. I think it's something people will get used to. But uh, a lot of people hated it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get to I didn't get to see it that way. I saw the uh, saw the uh, the the non 3D non 48 frames just completely like was a, it in black like and white too? What? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sepia toned uh, movie on the old rotted out 
celluloid. Are you sure you were just reading the book? <laughs> well, we, well, we did. We did watch the old cartoon too with the big fat round hobbits. And yeah, I like I like the, the cartoon because like Gandalf is animated like just one frame with the with the uh, clutch cargo mouth that moves, <laughs> and it's like he like just slides out from behind a tree and scares uh, Bilbo. the goblins detach their lower jaw all the time and but there's more music i would have preferred if the if the scary albino goblin or whatever the from the uh the movie had been singing the songs that he was supposed to sing trees were burning there's like a revenge song or hobbit scaring song or yeah 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 well it's all about eyes popping and stuff it really wasn't appropriate for a children's book uh, but about skin cracking and stuff when they're on fire, um, and uh, the, how the dwarves have to burn to death and stuff. But it would have been a fun song for them to sing. Instead, they had to have their little showdown duel thing that never happened or whatever. That's all right. It's it's going to be different without the music. Without the important things, you know. Yeah. Well, when they make a movie about my life, they're going to omit the musical part. It's a shame. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So all the. All the all the things we can sing about Rain Seeker's life. Yeah, well, I mean, I I just had a musical number this morning. You guys totally missed it when I when I woke up. <laughs> birds were singing. The, the the chipmunks and the squirrels were doing this little dance routine in the yard front yard. And did you did you paint with all the colors of the wind? I, I did, I did, I really did. This is our A game, folks. No, was there were there were there birds? Are there still lots of birds there? There are. As a matter of fact, I have a bird in my lap right now. He's <laughs> he's pestering me. He's trying to chew Very my nice. uh, buttons right now. <laughs> Aren't you, buddy? He's a little Jende Conyer, and he makes a lot of growling noises at me while I'm trying not to let him chew on the mic. He, he likes to chew on the mic here. Wait, here he goes. There. That was a little Jende noise. You can't chew on the mic, Mr. Jende. Although you like breaking buttons. <laughs> there we go. See, there we go. I got him to talk because he didn't like what I was doing. <laughs> so it is a musical life. Exactly. Okay, this is the three toe answer section of Dwarf Fortress Talk. So I'm Three Toe, and I'll be reading some of your questions, which are a lot of we requested, and thankfully a lot of you guys came back with some questions, so let's get started. Okay, so Buttery Mess asks, have you checked all the out all the DF fan art, and what is your opinion of it? The People people would just used to kind of sporadically post them, like in different forum threads or in different forums throughout the Internet on their own their own blogs and stuff, there'd be these these fan art things, and we'd see those when they'd get linked to us or whatever. And now there's that um, that thread that Armok made, the... Um, the, uh, the moving the, sound. The moving, the moving sound thread. Because uh, we, we, I think that move, it was called moving sound because someone moved the forum thread, but now we think of it as kind of a sort of avant-garde modern art thing about moving sound. And so that's DF fan art moving sound. And uh, we've yeah we 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 periodically go in there and and look at all the look at all the pictures. Um, as for our opinion of it, uh, it really depends on the piece, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out there. It's it's really amazing that people have have uh, like our game as much to to make so much of it. There's so many people that have contributed to that stuff. So that's really cool. 
Okay, so the next question. Zor asks, on Dwarven Tantrums, how much of it is a placeholder to, placeholder to be revamped, and how much of it is is uh, is it our vision? So, um, the 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 tantrums right now it's it's pretty crazy how they sort of um how it goes out of control with the with um sort of one tragic loss of a pet or something sending the whole fortress into overdrive i mean dwarves are supposed to be somewhat volatile and somewhat like a, like kind of amplified imperfect people but maybe not quite that much. <laughs> it gets it gets uh, it gets pretty silly because it doesn't it doesn't let you sort of experience the lows of the game without just losing your whole fortress. I, I think there should be more of a roller coaster ride and less of just kind of a degenerate spiral down to nothing when just a just a few bad things happen. So um, especially because it encourages you not to not to have dwarves have friends. I mean having friends should generally help people get through hard times rather than uh causing the um the friends of someone who died to all kind of go off and beat people up and stuff. <laughs> it's just it's just silly. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, just tone it down a little bit maybe. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. following that he's asked, what is your feelings on allowing complete customization of embarked dwarves such as their personalities and preferences? Um uh, I, I I mean I, I haven't I haven't thought about it that much, but I don't have a problem with people wanting to uh, you know fully customize their seven starting dwarves. The um, the uh, we're we're thinking of doing that that for adventure mode sometimes. There are some roadblocks to doing it this time, but um, it, just like in in you know those those RPGs, it can be it's not exactly standard these days, but it's often allowed that you can you know kind of fully customize your face and that kind of thing. Um, the, the, the only issue with the, with dwarves, I guess, is if you, if you can customize your, your preferences, um, or your attributes and, uh, there's, it's, it's, can be kind of gamey, I guess. And, uh, I don't know if that would, that would kind of mess oh, up. Oh yeah. We were also talking yeah. about the, the problem with genetics too. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the roadblock to the, uh, to the, um, the roadblock to customizing your adventure is getting the genes to line up, um, because uh, there, there's genetics to uh, uh, to the, the determine appearance, and if you want to bring your person out of out of uh, just give them an arbitrary face, it might not be able to find the genes for it, and then that would that would harm the adventure reproduction later. Uh, especially now that when you retire your adventure, they can just go off and get married um, when you're not looking. Uh, and, and so it needs to have their, uh, their genetic information in place. I mean, there's workarounds for it though, but, but with dwarves, I'm more worried about, uh, I'm not exactly worried about gaming the system. It's kind of conversation we've had a bunch of times on a bunch of different subjects, you know, whether, whether or not people should be able to fully customize, uh, or fully kind of amplify themselves and whether or not, um, that's something that should be customizable or something that should be in a world gen parameters and whether or not people are overcome by temptation, whether the temptation ruins the game, whether or not I should care about people ruining the game because they're tempted, all that kind of thing. And, uh, we've found solutions to those things in the past without, without really restricting the options. So I think, uh, 
I think eventually customizing the doors once you can do it in the adventure will probably be a test case for it because it's a little easier there. Okay. So, D-Noct asks, you mentioned that when people ask for information, they could lie to you. Will this be limited to finding information from random people, or will even your group leader decide that you decide to join lie to you in order to get you to do things? Um, <laughs> so can you can you put someone in, in power and they betray you and that kind of thing? Uh, I think that's that's actually that's actually more interesting than um, <clears throat> than the case where. Uh, the uh, it's more interesting than the case where someone randomly lies to you when you're asking for information. That's kind of silly. I mean, I guess you could go into a town where they don't like strangers, and you ask where the uh, where the um, where I don't know where where to put your horse or something, and they you know they tell you the wrong place. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, usually in these kind of in other games, it's like they lie to you at the very end, and then you find out that their whole quest has been a mistake or whatever, and um. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's the kind of thing lies we were talking about, was it? Uh, I guess, I guess, I mean, I guess it was a broader, um, a broader, a broader question. I mean, if 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 you, because I mean, oftentimes in the game you'll have you'll have someone lie to you to put them in power, like we were saying, and then you'd have a final boss battle with them, or you take like half the Bethesda quests, or maybe a little less than half. But they, very very often, you always kind of just keep the quest giver. You know, somewhere where you can see them because <laughs> it's like they're going to betray you half the time or whatever, and then you just have to kill them. Whereas in in Dwarf Fortress, if someone betrays you, and would certainly certainly would allow that to happen, uh, or or if it's just they have a bad disposition. I mean, you might put someone into power who never intended to betray you, but they just have a bad disposition, and then things go downhill from there. Then either in the same game or subsequent games in different modes or whatever, you can you can deal with that. So it's uh, it's something that should be it should be uh, pretty interesting in the end and and you know we're not going to force someone to be a good person just because you wanted to do things for them that's that would be hard to do I mean I'd have to like rewrite their brain when you talk to them or something like that it'd be strange okay so uh, we have a couple of questions from Iron Bad and Isaac Flashman asked uh, about. Inheriting surnames, or um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so will the children inherit the last names of their uh, of their parents? So, I mean, so this is a, this is a pretty popular thing. I think probably because of Fort Mode, where you you can't tell who's related to who and and that kind of thing. And um, <clears throat> I don't remember, you know, what the what the reason we hadn't did it uh, done it is if we just haven't set up the. Uh, the raws for it, or we wanted to support different systems, or we wanted to wait for the names to support different systems, or whatever. So yeah, I mean, we're technically speaking, we're all for having that kind of thing and being able to tell what families people are from, and and so on. I mean, it's not it's not necessarily the case that there should always be be family names and surnames. I mean, that's not present in, in all cultures, especially the further back in time you go, a lot of people just didn't have family names. They were just like, I'm John from this city or whatever. And that was what they called themselves. And they didn't really have a surname. Um, so, but, but, but just keeping our options open and, and, uh, having that kind of thing at some point. Um, uh, and maybe, maybe more in fort mode, um, or more for dwarves just because it, I mean, it seems to, it's, it's just, seems, it's just cool. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. I think I think for yeah, and and I think for dwarves it would be it would be it would be more fun to to see the families join each other and and I don't know if dwarves have clans or whatever. I mean, people have think of them different ways and we haven't really thought about it too deeply, but but I I think yeah, it would be it would be cool to put a system in for for dwarf mode and just rawify it and people can turn it off if they don't like it or whatever. I think I think uh, I think we will do that um I mean, both of, both of them asked if it's coming in with the new succession stuff, and that's it's it's not coming in uh, at this point. Okay, so the next question is for me. Uh, it's from Martin. He asks, "Is a question for Zach? Is there any features that you would love to see implemented in Dwarf Fortress ASP, ASAP, but Tarn for one reason or another refuses it?" Well, here's the here's the uh, the secret: is that most of the things coming out now are probably my fault. Because <laughs> I. I, I uh, uh, petitioned things to be put in that you guys probably don't even want to, to be put in. So, okay, moving on. Okay, this next question is from James. He asks, will you ever begin to include randomized main races or will the player interactable races always be limited to Tolkien, dwarves, elves, goblins, and humans? And a smattering of chimera tribes. <laughs> it's the animal people. I guess that's the. Is that what he means by the the smattering of? Uh, I, I don't know how to spell say these words. Is it chimera or whatever? Um, the the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it must be the animal people. Unless he meant something else. Yeah, we could always just call the animal people something else other than turtle man. It could just be <laughs> some other name and still be a turtle man. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think. Uh, I think it's always been in the plan to have randomized main races. It was it's it's uh, it was up on the old dev pages. I don't remember if it made it anywhere on the new dev pages or not. I think it might actually be there. Um, maybe not. It, it it would be the last one because doing randomized civilizations is an extra step beyond randomized monsters because we've kind of been easing in. We have the we have the forgotten beasts now. We've got the titans. Uh, those are randomized. We have some of the underworld creatures. Uh, randomized, and we wanted to ease into uh, to having some of the um, regular kind of monsters in the woods and stuff. Randomizing those with a few extra night night creature entries at some point, and then kind of ease into having some randomized regular creatures, and then finally uh, <laughs> adding in. Uh, randomized civilization creatures. The problem with randomized civilization creatures is there needs to be a lot of exposition or you're just going to be completely confused about what's going on. But it would definitely be an option. I think I think there'd be like a slider or something saying how, how strange you want your world to be. Because uh, we definitely think having dwarves and elves and goblins is is, is uh, cool for, for a lot of people just to kind of understand what's going on uh, with without... Um, without having to do a lot of extra reading. So Okay. Yeah. So the next question is from One Bad Terran. He asks, Will there ever be any colossus other than bronze, such as a stone adamantine or bone colossus? <laughs> and uh he he mentions that we already have Titans made out of a different material, so yeah, the stone colossus or the bronze colossus, what's the thought? Uh, well, the Bronze Colossus, of course, is um, is a uh, Jason the Argonauts <laughs> from Talos, Talos coming in and lifting up ships and shaking them and so on. This is the, uh, the yeah, he's reality. been there from the beginning. This is, 
It's the reality we grew up with, right? That's uh, right. All the Ray Harryhausen stuff. I think all of our Mega Beasts have appeared in a Ray Harryhausen movie somewhere, um, except the randomized um, Mega Beasts. But every every other one has been in either a uh, either a Clash of the Titans or uh, or Jason the Argonauts or one of the Sinbad movies. Um, it's uh, it's just how we roll here at Bay Twelve Games. But I, I don't think there's going to be therefore a um, another kind of colossus added as a raw stock creature and the randomized creatures that we currently have like like you can have as as you said a a a titan made completely out of stone or something they don't work very well right now especially the ones made out of snow or whatever they just die but uh that would probably be how they come about and uh, and we already have kind of the smaller magma man type things and so on and and again I think we're probably going to be moving in the direction where material creatures of different sizes are just things that randomly occur and uh, and um, yeah hopefully it doesn't get too mushy or gobbledygooky but that's how it's going to happen. Next question is from Talvino. He asks, Will members of other civilizations eventually be able to join your civilization and live among your dwarves? Uh, so we, we've had, um, there's, there's questions about, about whether the, the, well, I, I guess does the person mean other civilizations or other kind of races? So you can already have, have people in your civilization in world gen that are like humans or, or elves or even goblins that have kind of joined up with the, the dwarf group. And once the code supports it, they'll be able to move to your fortress. Right now, there's just bugs where it treats them like pets sometimes and other strange, <laughs> other strange stuff like that uh, <laughs> where there's, there's many problems. And um, we're, we were planned, the plan, the official plan, is to fix all of that up for the tavern and inn arc when you can keep an inn because there will be people kind of living at your fortress on a semi-permanent basis. Yeah, this is one of my favorite suggestions <laughs> that someone had was to have dwarf, dwarf mode inns. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 definitely gonna be awesome. It'll be like a diner dash or something. You'll be uh, you'll be taking care of people and trying to multitask and so on. And um, it's it's uh, that that will eventually lead to people staying in your fortress longer term. And uh, because we'll be working uh, and we'll also be working out the problems with with multiracial forts uh, at that time. And we'll have. Uh, uh, Full, full integration not long after, I suspect. Okay, Aaron asks, considering the Dwarf Fortress's long development, will animals be removed from the game as their real-life counterparts go extinct? Or, or will animals such as polar bears, gorillas, and pandas be kept in Dwarf Fortress even after their extinction in reality? <laughs> Any plans to include the moa, dodos, or pygmy mammoths that were still kicking around in the past 14, 1400, uh, or kicking around past 1400 A.D.? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's kind of a messed up question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were thinking about having a the animal sponsorship drive didn't really work out that well, but well, it did monetarily, but it was kind of hard to uh, to implement. But we were at one point considering having an, an extinct animal sponsorship drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it probably won't be a sponsorship drive, um, at least not the same way. But but we're certainly yeah, we're, we'd be happy to include extinct animals. And I think it would be just cold, like if the polar bear goes extinct to remove it from the game. That'd be cold. I'd, I'd like to keep the polar bear in there. 
as kind of an homage to the existence of the polar bear. But that's, just, that's it is incredibly depressing to think about that. But um, I'm not removing polar bears from the game. Okay, so the next question is from Akos. He says, with ownership of sites coming, will civilizations lay claim to areas as well? In other words, will they will the game have countries where civilization controls not just the towns but also unlimited the uninhabited area around it? If armies of a different civ enter that area, will it cause a war? Um, they they have kind of areas that they that they sort of lay claim to now. Um, and you can see those maps in in the legends mode if you go to the maps section. But they're overlapping. It's not. It's not. They don't have treaties about who can cross what river, that kind of thing. I mean, that stuff's fair. I'm not sure if like exact country boundaries are an anachronism or not. I mean, there's no. We're not in the real timeline, but we always use our our 1400 cutoff to determine kind of what 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 would vaguely be called an anachronism. Um, and, but, but people, people do get picky about things and certainly get picky about things like who gets to cut down which trees and all that kind of stuff. And when we put in the, 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 the missing key element I think here is, um, having things like mines and, 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 uh, kind of larger lumber camp places, places that are sort of industrial in scope and not just the village, uh, that, um, a, a larger authority like an empire or whatever is using, and once they've got those places, there'd be kind of a kind of a claim uh, to to an area associated to those those sites. And um, other other than that, I mean, I don't know if, if patrols just bump into each other, they they could they could cause trouble. I mean, it's it's a matter of catching people as much as anything. Okay, so the next one is from Charles. What do you realistically think DF will be capable of in five or ten years? Looking at the narrative vision, we know that that uh, you'd like to be able to tell stories, but Dwarf Fortress is not an MP- RPG. Do you think it could be? What are the limits of procedural generation? And at one point, can you look at the narratives it produces and be proud as a writer of what the game is outputting? Well, as a writer, what do you say? Um, I think it's already there. <laughs> there are so many stories that people have written... Uh, you know, from boat murdered all the way up to the present day, of um, uh, what was that last one that just came out? That just finished. Uh, Brave Mule just. Yeah, finished. Brave Mule just finished, and they have they've made a movie with uh, <laughs> with uh, subtitles of talking about what what kind of how 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 that's progressed. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess um, I mean we're just I I mean it's it's hard to say what the limits of procedural generation are because we continue to to push them. And uh, we'll see how much of the storytelling will occur in the game and 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 not be uh, kind of uh, added on by 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 people. Uh, it's it's hard to say. Uh, like like if you're if you're actually talking about say reading Legends mode, or when you're talking to people, you know, is this output the equivalent of what a writer produces? Um, I don't. I mean, I don't think we're gonna. We're gonna be there ever, uh, especially if you're talking about a good writer. <laughs> yeah, it would have to somehow be able to string all the uh, legends mode stuff, plus what happened in the game, and try to hook it together in such a way to make it a legend or something. Yeah, and it's it's just hard to to even I mean to get the uh, to get the language produced, much less um, you know uh, any any kind of actual skill that you learn while writing to 
to um, to have that come across. So we'll probably always be relying on the on the players to some extent to uh, to um, make it something that they're visualizing in their in their head. But but we will have a lot of uh, more interesting. Um, things going on and a lot more moving parts uh for for people to play with um so i think uh okay so yeah. he also has a question for scamps do you like chewing on the wires and biting your person's ankles and are you a mega beast well where is scamps well he came up and bothered me once during this uh during this this call but i was i was talking and didn't want to scream at him but it well he, there was no claws sinking and i do have one Bloody scab on my um, yeah. on my pinky finger. Yeah, he's a he has a brand new toy. It's his fishing pole that he loves to play with, and now uh, he will not let us let us uh, sit in peace. We'll be working on our computers, and he'll come up and grab us by the ankle, and and he actually bit me one time and tried to get me to, <laughs> to play with that stupid fishing pole. Well, so, Zach Zach is the best at the fishing pole, though. Zach's the one who gets like four yeah, that's feet, why I'm bothered. Four, yeah, Zach is bothered, not me. He'll even uh, he'll even he might bother me for a moment, and then he'll remember and just go bother Zach again. But Zach can get the four four foot leaps out of him. Yeah, it's, it's over impressive. one meter, over one meter for our for our worldwide uh, listeners. You can get get uh, get many 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 centimeters out of the cat. All right. So the next one's from Eric. He asks. Have you considered creating random materials in the game? Civilizations and players could perform experiments on the materials to determine their properties. Given the structure of the raw files, it seems like it could be pretty easy to create random metals in world creation. Uh, so there already are random materials in the game, just not not the um, the type that that the, the person that Eric wanted. Uh, there's the the rain can be a random material. And uh, <laughs> when, it, when it rains, some kind oh, of... that's right, yeah. And the mists, <laughs> the mists are also defined as a random material. So we just need and, a solid now, is what Yeah, we just saying. need a solid. Yeah, and, and, and well, there there can be solids if it gets cold and the, and the mist freezes, I guess, or, or if, it, if, I, I, if it snows. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if it can snow slime or not, but uh, it might not be able to, but if it could, <laughs> then that would, be ha- that would be a random material. And these, uh, the important point is that these random materials are raw files. They are generated just like raw files, and then it just kind of puts them in with your other text files and pretends to load them, and it actually goes through and processes the text file and everything. So it is just a matter of will and time and um, interface, etc. All of the uh, all of the uh, game making pieces of it, but not um, not the technical framework. Uh, forgetting things like random metals in the game and just avoiding the kind of gray sludge problem where it's like, does your world turn into mush if everyone's walking around with, like, Akavarite shields or whatever, and you're like, what is that? Yeah, it's the same problem <laughs> with the, ran- or the randomized monsters. It's like when you see the name and, you you know, every time you play the game, it's a new monster with a completely different thing. You never get used to it or whatever. Yeah, so, so you just have to overcome exposition, and then we'll uh, we'll be all over that. Okay, so the next question is from Luke. Yes, to many players and indeed to the outside observers, Dwarf Fortress is less of a game than it is a living entity. After a better part of a decade's development, I'm sure the decisions made a year ago or even five years ago influenced the present changes made to the game in not so minuscule ways. I guess my question is, has Dwarf Fortress reached the point that has a say in its own development? <laughs> so, yeah, so has it has it the shape to kind of determine what we're doing next? Um. 
I I I guess it does when I'm when I want to get to the next part quickly, but I've also kind of done a lot of gutting and rewriting. So when when Dwarf Fortress tries to push back, I push back and and gut parts of the game and and uh, destroy people's save files. So I guess I guess the answer would be is like when when I'm preserving save compatibility, Dwarf Fortress is having its say, and then when I get tired of it, Dwarf Fortress doesn't get to talk anymore, and it, we just we just obliterate things. Um, there there are probably some elements now that um, that are that are a bit entrenched, but um, I mean people would have to remind me of what they are. I've destroyed the personalities, the. Uh, Having one world isn't even going to be a um, a permanent thing. It does cause inertia, but not complete stasis. Like we would have added sort of multiplanar worlds a long time ago if I had thought to support them ten years ago. Uh, the way it's set up now, it's an annoyance uh, along uh, around the level of adding the Z coordinate. But I mean, the the Z coordinate got added, and um, Multiplanar worlds are going to make it in too, so it it, it, it does have one yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dwarf Fortress still has have, one We yet. still have control. Yeah, yeah. We're not skyneted out yet, but it is. It does feel that way sometimes. It's true. Okay. The next question is from Jesus. He asks, "Have you ever regretted being so open with the development of Dwarf Fortress?" And he also asks, "How often do you and Zach get together to talk about development and brainstorm ideas?" And has Gamps impeded development? So, <laughs> have you ever regretted being so open? I don't think so. No, uh, no. I, I think um, uh, being being open with the development. I mean, to the to the extent that we're open. I mean, in, fact, like in fact, in to, fact, to, if we didn't let people know what we were doing, they wouldn't be so inclined to support us. I don't think. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I think. Uh, I mean, yeah. It's it's just part of the um, part of the whole the whole way. Our community works, and our our uh, our if you want to call it our business strategy or whatever, yeah. I mean, it's just not really the way we think about it. But it, that that's what it is, I guess. And and, and it's uh, it's a yeah. I mean, it, it's not open source or anything, so it's not like this is the most open development in the world. There's people more more open than we are, but we we're at a place where we're comfortable and we don't regret where we're at at all. Um, how often do we get together and brainstorm uh, ideas? Uh, I mean, there's some days we talk about what I'm doing less than others, but I see Zach every day for most of the day, so uh, every, all the time. It's just uh, just an everyday thing. Um, and how often is the cat impeded development? Well, I, I'd say that I don't mind having the cat. I think the cat's a good addition to the family, and uh, my morale has increased, and I think the cat has therefore... Um, improved development. Improved development. The That's cat right. has improved development. Enhanced. Enhanced. It is enhanced development. I think that there might be specific moments in time where the cat impedes development, <laughs> but, right. but those are those are few and far between, um, uh, or sort of. He he is kind of a violent beast, but that's all right. Okay. So the last question is from Nate in Idaho, and he has. I was wondering how often you spend working on DF daily, and what can other players do to help you in your quest to expand the best game in the world. Also, as, the, as from the creators, do you have any tricks to or general advice to help noobs? Um, so, I I spend uh, quite a lot of time on Dwarf Fortress. Uh, there are days that I don't get as much programming in as I would like because I'm I'm you know doing doing the forum and email and stuff like that. But it's basically what I do 
during the day. Um, that's kind of it, <laughs> but that's all right. And uh, and uh, I can testify to that. It's hard yeah. <laughs> every single day, or most of the day on Dwarf Fortress. So you guys should appreciate that. And uh, uh, at this point, other players, there's, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. You can help people out on the forum. Uh, of course, you can support Dwarf Fortress. Uh, you go to bay12games.com to support Dwarf Fortress. Click on the little yellow chick dinosaur thing. That's right, the Caution Saurus. <laughs> we can click on Caution Saurus. It'll tell you how to Pointer. help there. Yes, the, the pointing creature. And uh, it, yeah, but 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 uh, yeah, you can do all kinds of things. Um, make suggestions, help people out, help out with bug reports. Spread um, the word. Spread the word. Yeah, just tell everybody you can about Dwarf Fortress. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, there's lots of just, uh, uh, I guess, the uh, um, ticks, tips and tricks. Uh, you guys are all, even the new people are all better at this game than we are. Um, it's true. And so uh, you can go to the forum and ask people for, for help and tips and tricks because we don't have any good ones. Oh, and I, uh, I hear someone wrote a book about Dwarf Fortress. That's right. There is the uh, there is the, the O'Reilly Press book um, uh, by... by uh, uh, I believe that's Tiny Pirate uh, from the uh, from the, uh, the 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 the, uh, the the famed the famed tutorials. Uh, he has a book, um, and for some reason I don't remember the name of the book, but it's the only O'Reilly Press book that says Dwarf Fortress in the title. <laughs> like to, to master the most complex game ever made, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so yeah, it's getting started with Dwarf Fortress or something like that. Yeah, so you, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So so you can um, you can you can uh, read that book. It's a it's a wonderful book, and it has all kinds of stuff in it. Um, it's not going to help you with multi-tile trees once we re- release until it's updated, but uh, it'll help you with everything else. Uh, so yeah, so there there were um, as a, as a final note here, uh, people were very 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 uh, 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 nice with my request to uh, send in questions for Dwarf Fortress Talk. So even though we got up into the teens today in terms of answering questions, we scratched the surface only, <laughs> and there are like another eighty questions, uh, and there's just uh, only so much time. Uh, to to do these recordings, but we will get to people that were missed. Um, there are lots of good questions in there, and we're just going to keep plugging away at them until you guys are satisfied. So don't worry about that. If you weren't uh, weren't answered today, you will be answered at another point in all likelihood. So there all we right. Go. So yeah, another excellent version of Dwarf Fortress talk. If I do say so myself. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Have a good one, people. Congratulations to the generous. Keep shooting ahead into the future now and stuff. That's right. <laughs> you are all champions in my book. I just wanted to mention that um, my wife and I started a gluten-free bakery this past year. Um, it's called Measures of Joy, and you can check it out at MeasuresOfJoyBakery.com. We have a bunch of mixes that are gluten-free. So um, check us out, and um, thanks for listening. This call has been a lot of fun. All right, Tarn, who do we thank? We thank you.
You're right on the list here. And You're we welcome. Think, we also All think right. Captain. Captain's on the list here. Hooray. Fantastic. And Coco. You're welcome, thanks. everyone. Everyone loves puppies. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I have a new puppy. <laughs> it's my niece's puppy, but it's, it likes me more. Because <laughs> he's a man. And then I'm uh, I'm Toady One. I'm thanking myself. I'm in the list here. Uh, and uh, I'll thank my cat Scamps, who's three. He's almost four. He'll be four next month. Uh-oh. And uh, yes, an, an aged cat who gets toys, many toys. And we'll thank uh, Olier and Emily Menendez for any music that may have played during this episode. Uh, Malox, a transcript producing person, will produce transcript and it will be uh, posted at some point uh, online. And uh, uh, anyone who uh, who chooses to contribute to Dwarf Fortress, go to bay12games.com. Uh, there's yeah. a little button. And it's fun, it's fun to help out with Dwarf Fortress because you get to see more Dwarf Fortress. It's exactly. fun. Fun to see Dwarf Fortress, and you get amazing rewards. That's right, rewards. You get you get to uh, you can you can get a, a crayon picture that we draw over to my grandma's place. Uh, those are fun, and uh, or Zach can write you a little story. I want and a crayon picture from your grandma. <laughs> we have not actually forced her to draw. It's amazing. It's been you know many months we've been going over there, uh, drawing the crayon pictures, and not once have we forced that kind of. We forced her to judge them. Uh, <laughs> see if any of them need to be tossed out. But uh, uh, no, usually I don't think she's ever had us toss one out. We've tossed them out a few times, just like nah, this one doesn't make any sense, and then we throw it away <laughs> on another one because <laughs> sometimes they just don't turn out right because uh, you know accidents happen. That's right. And um, my crayons are getting very short. I have uh, the uh, the black crayon in particular. The black, the black crayon always does work. There's always a little pupils, or every picture usually has a little piece of black in it somewhere. And now my black crayon's a little nub. Um, and uh, my blue crayons, because I often give them blue shirts and blue pants at times, because that's okay, the only, the only dye in the fortress. Okay, so yeah, good, 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 good times, good fun, good everything. It's all good, good job, everybody. Uh, thanks for coming to listen to our podcast. Thanks, Captain Mintarn, for her meeting today. Thank you, guys. See you around. Bye-bye. is incredibly long.
is skinny and incredibly long, is very skinny and extremely long, is incredibly long and skinny, is fat and incredibly long, is extremely long and very fat, is incredibly <laughs> long, encapsulated in massive layers of lard, is somewhat weak and extremely long, is weak and extremely long, is very frail and incredibly long, is muscular and incredibly long, is very muscular and incredibly long, is incredibly long and muscular, is incredibly long, yet is also weak and skinny, is frail and really skinny, but also extremely long, is extremely long with muscle and fat in equal measure, is incredibly long with impressive muscles and great sacks of lard. Um, <laughs> sacks of lard come out of a snake. I love it. <laughs> Some imagery there. <laughs> I just like a, look like a large intestine or something, just as big <laughs> rolls and hanging off of it. It's, it's just like, so, 